Welcome to the River of Suck podcast, episode 18. I've got Joe Buckner here today. He's a special guest. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I really do. I'm humbled. <laughs> well, it's great to see you here in Fort Collins, Colorado, in the crazy times. And uh, today is Juneteenth, so it's actually a pretty milestone day in a lot of ways. So I want to hear a little bit about your story because I don't think my listeners know who you are. I know who you are because my jam band, Whitewater Ramble, you were an actor in one of the uh, music videos for it. I want you to tell the River of Suck swim team, our listeners, um, like, who are you? And not just who are you, there's a concept that Victor Wooten always talks about. You want to be the U.S.U. you that you can be. Mm. And it's not just like, you know, who are you now? But like, how did you get here? Where are you going? What do you do that makes you feel like the most you? Oh, that's dope. The youest you, huh? Um, I'm just a uh, a kid from North Fort Collins <laughs> trying to make the next right decision every single day. I'm a father, son, um, entrepreneur. In the last two weeks, I've become the unintentional spokesperson for all things black people. Um, in which Fort is, Collins? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in Fort Collins on Instagram, yeah. like to my following. like, um, And yeah, I'm just, uh, just a guy trying to leave people in places better than he found them. That's it. That's real cool. I want to tell you about the River of Suck right away. So the River of Suck is an imaginary river flowing through your mind and you're standing on one side on your comfort shore behind you is your comfort cave it's where you do all the things you already know how to do comfort zone easy you look across to the other side and you can see future versions of yourself you can do the things you wish you could do now but the problem is in between there's a raging whitewater river filled with rapids and thought piranhas which are those negative thoughts that enter your head and try and sabotage your good vibes. It's that little monologue that, that you can't seem to shut off. And sometimes it's good, sometimes, sometimes it's bad. But uh, it turns out it's all us. So the thought piranhas are on the River of Suck swim team. we got to learn how to swim with them. So I guess my question is, how do you see the River of Suck in your life? You know, quiet as it's kept, I would say that a lot of my adult life I've actually just been kind of like backstroking in the river of suck, <laughs> just intentionally in it. Um, most of it through my own doing, you know, mm -hmm. poor decision making, lack of direction, um, lack of accountability. And I was probably 30 years old before I decided to get kind of serious about life. And I was really 40 before I was thinking, okay, I should, I should try to dial this thing in a little bit. <laughs> so, um, you know, I say something similar to our students in our classes. I say you have to embrace the suck mm -hmm. because that's actually the part that makes it worth it when you can push through. So, I mean, for me, my river of suck has looked like, you know, negative self-talk. It's looked like being sent to prison for selling drugs. It's looked like being homeless and then using those things as my reason to not try and go for things because yeah. I had all this trauma behind it and, you know, I'm not good enough and nobody's going to give me a chance. But then eventually one day just deciding like, whatever, 
I'm just going to go for it. Like, I'm going to live life like someone left the gate open, and I'm just going to see what happens. What changed to get you to that point? I mean, a lot of people feel stuck where they're at. And you're talking about going to prison. You're talking about making a better life for yourself. How did you change your attitude to to get to that point? You know, it was in 2013, really. I was homeless just through a situation of a relationship that had ended and I didn't have anywhere to go. So for about seven months, I was homeless. Hmm. This is after getting sent to prison and thinking I'd gotten my life back on track. (laughs) And, um, but it was during that time that I just realized, okay, I remember sitting in the motel six and I stayed at the motel six when I could scrounge up $47 for the night. And I used to tell people I was staying at mansion and they would say, well, what? (laughs) And I remember my buddy said, I thought you were staying at the motel six. I said, well, yeah, but there's like 50 rooms there's a swimming pool and there's a waffle house. Like that sounds like a mansion, right? <laughs> and it was through that though, my daughter, um, holy cow, I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about this. My birthday that next year, she wrote me this really beautiful letter. And she said that watching me go through that and stay positive was like one of the best lessons of her life. And so it was from that moment on that I was just like, okay, Like, if things are pretty crappy in my personal Joe Buckner life, usually I'm the architect of that, which also means that I can build the way out of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I also had to change the things I was asking for. I'd spent a lot of my life, like a lot of people, like, oh, I just want to be successful and rich. And I just changed it. And I said, I just need an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I need someone to give me an opportunity. If they give me an opportunity, I'll crush it. But I need a specific opportunity. It has to look like this, 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 and this. And I manifested it. And it, that opportunity presented itself, you know, in August of that year. Three weeks later, I got my first check. I went from homeless to had a place for me and my kids again. 18 months later, I was a six-figure earner in my company. 18 months after that, I started my own business. And now I get to do rad stuff like be in videos with you guys and be on cool podcasts. And my life hasn't been the same since. Wow. What was that first opportunity that you're talking about? So my background was in sales. Okay. And I'd spent a lot of time in the retail world, which um, can be cool in and of itself, but it's not very rewarding, (laughs) especially if you're actually If you're selling someone else's stuff, it's not the most fulfilling. Well, and it can be, right? But depends on the price tag. Sure. Right? Yeah. So- I uh, got a job at Fair a company enough. called All Copy Products selling office equipment. So we sold everything from small desktop printers to large production printers. And had I known how much money you could make selling copiers, I would have done it 10 years earlier. <laughs> um, and so that was the opportunity I needed because it had a salary, which I'd asked for because I needed to know I have this much money coming in so I can pay my bills. It had commissions and bonuses because I need to get paid for the actual work I put in because that matters to me. It had a car allowance because my car was about to get repossessed. So that was important. Um, And it had benefits for me and my kids. And so I literally had written down one day, this is the opportunity that I want. And because I was homeless, my friend, um, his name was Trevor. He had a business doing Google indoor tours, Mm -hmm. virtual tours of the interior of businesses. And he belonged to a networking group called B&I. And he never wanted to go because it was from like seven in the morning till 10 every Wednesday. And so he says, hey, here's the deal. Go to these meetings for me. 
They're going to feed you breakfast, so win for me as a homeless person, right? <laughs> but if you close any deals from that group, I'll pay you half the money. So that's how I would get money for the Motel 6 and food and oh, yeah. gas, right? Right. And then one day, a gentleman named Heath Kastendike, God bless him, I'll, I'll always remember him, he stands up and he says, I need a salesperson. And there's a salary, commissions, bonuses, $350 a month car allowance, benefits, and our biggest client is the Denver Broncos. I was like, I'm the guy. I want that job. And I got it. You know what I love is you You said you actually wrote this down. So yeah. I think a big part of envisioning a better future for yourself is identifying those future use. What are those goals that you're doing? You know, writing it down. You're talking about manifesting something. Tell me more about that. Bro, like the thing I've learned in the last, I mean, I started when I got sent away to prison. I've understood that my mind is so powerful and whatever I want is going to happen. Just sometimes time moves slow, right? So it might not happen today, but it's going to happen. Right. I look at the place that I live in. I look at my gym. Like if you came to my gym and you walk down the little walkway and it's exposed brick, I envisioned that before I even had a name for the place. (laughs) I said, this is what I want it to look like. And so now I walk down that walkway every morning and go, this is the craziest thing in the world because this is exactly what I wanted. But I don't think that most people actually understand how powerful their mind is and Mm -hmm. the energy that we're putting into the world. And like whatever we're asking for, the universe wants to say yes. So I just finally figured out how to do it the right way. (laughs) Because <laughs> I was the opposite. You talked about the river suck. Like, oh, you know, I grew up poor. I've been in jail a lot. Like, my life is supposed to suck and be hard. And so the universe was like, cool. Here's some more sucky stuff. <laughs> right? Here's some more opportunities for you to be right. Here's some more opportunities for oh, yeah. you to be, you know, not trust. And, and I just flipped the switch. And I was like, this is what my life is going to look like. And again, I believe everything that I want is going to happen. It's just time moves slow sometimes. Yeah, people are really impatient. I think having the the vision and the goal that you can stick with, a lot of people quit when things are hard. I'm really interested in talking to people who didn't quit when it was hard. I think that's where successful people come from. And I think, like you're saying, it's the same person. Someone who's feeling like they're failing at everything is the same person as someone who's successful just at a different point in their life with a different commitment to their vision. Does that that sound possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, you're you're dead on. I read something one time that said if you have a room full of successful people, you just have a room full of people that didn't quit. They just kept failing. Yeah. Right? That's it. So I love it. Know, I tell people all the time, like I'm not better at anything than anyone. I'm just better at not quitting. Yes. I love that so much. <clears throat> yeah, I mean I am. Like I t- I was joking. My friend had an Instagram post today. She tagged me and it was about failure. And she's like, you know, I think that this resonates with you. And I was just being funny. I I don't have any sort of like political stance here, but I said in my best Donald Trump voice, I'm the greatest at failing. Like I made failing famous. No one is better at failing than me. You didn't even know about failing until I made it famous. But like, it's real. Like, I don't know. I've been failing for so long. I'm just not afraid of it anymore. Yeah. You know? Nice. Plus, when you've been to maximum security prison, when you've slept in your car in the wintertime in Colorado, like, what the hell are you supposed to be afraid of at that point? Yeah. The ocean, actually. I'm afraid of the ocean. Shit's scary. Why? It's scary. (laughs) It's scary. 
this podcast is definitely about fear. So like what <laughs> the ocean know. scares the hell out of me. Huh. Okay. Well, we don't got any of it here. It's yeah, just, no. Yeah, this is I just travel just a, a lot, river, yeah. man. Rivers I travel go, a lot, the river's man. cool. The oh, I'm afraid of water, period. Okay. <laughs> Last time I was in the ocean I vomited everywhere. It was not good. Oh man, the whole seasick thing? Yep. Well, and I was afraid. Like, I didn't know, oh, just okay. so you know, I didn't know that an island was an actual like mountain covered with water. I thought it was like land floating on water. Oh, yeah. It's connected to the, it's the ground. Right. And people <laughs> will probably think that's funny. I had never really been out to the ocean much. So I was in the ocean and I just decided I would look in the direction of the island and I saw that it was like a mass that just kept going down into darkness. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm from Colorado. I know how big mountains are, which means I know how deep that water is. And I know we don't know what's down there, so I need to get out of here now. <laughs> so take someone who's 225 pounds, not a strong swimmer, swimming against current in the ocean. By the time I got to the boat, it was dumb. I just threw up everywhere. And then they made me jump back in to clean myself off. Oh. Terrible. So, it's not like I'm not afraid of anything. I'm just not afraid of failing. Yeah. I, people who say that they have no fear, I think they're just suppressing fear. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if anyone is being honest with themselves, you should know what you're afraid of. And yeah. Confront it, actually. Those are the thought – that's how you actually swim with the thought piranhas. When you, when you acknowledge them, hey, I see your big teeth. You know, something feels good just to like admit to ourselves that we're so we're so caught up in like trying to be proud and fearless and whatever. But I think that actually ignores the bigger problem that these fears are real. You should be afraid that water is deep, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Super deep. So tell me about this gym thing, because you kind of saw yourself on the other side of the river, the future version of you who had a gym. It's not just any gym, though. No. No. <laughs> no, it's not a gym at all. It's a lifestyle. Um, <laughs> nice. I was a business-to-business -business salesperson, mm -hmm. and I had found my calling. I had finally gotten to the point where I was quote unquote, making the money people dream about making, right? And every day I woke up, I hated my life. Hmm. I just dreaded it. Um, I just felt like I have bigger purpose than cashing commission checks and buying cars and winning two free trips to Mexico every year. It, it didn't suck, but I mean, I personally was like, I just had this calling, like this pull, like my hero is Malcolm X, like mm -hmm. not... Michael Jordan, not, you know, Tiger Woods, Malcolm X is my hero. So I just had this calling, like, I feel like I could do more with myself personally. And I'd helped build a place called Title Boxing Club. 
I grew up boxing since the age of six. Hmm. But to me, boxing was not like soccer moms and attorneys and dental hygienists. It was like gritty underneath a bar with sewage running from the ceiling. Like it just, that's what it was. And so when I saw that people were taken to boxing as fitness, I just saw an opportunity. And to be real with you, I wanted to open a sneaker shop because I'm obsessed with sneakers and apparel. But the cost of that compared to the cost of opening a boxing gym was night and day. So it was just a thing that I could open that was going to be my own. And also, I want to I want to like lie and say that it was just like this epiphany and this awakening. <laughs> really, it was simple math. The average copier is six thousand dollars. I did one point yeah. two million dollars worth of sales in twenty fifteen. That's a lot of six thousand dollar copiers. My wow. manager says, "Joe, you made a lot of money." I said, "Man, I made fourteen percent of that money." He's like, "Yeah, that's a lot." I said, yeah, but it's not compared to the 86% you guys kept. Yeah. And all the pages. And I was like, so, yeah, thanks for the money. But if I did a third of that for myself, I'll probably be okay. So, really, it was just a simple math equation. I'm like, I'm the guy that cold calls in the snow, the rain. I call 20 people a day that do not want to talk to me. They hang up on me. They tell me never to call again. I got the cops called on me at the Drake Business Park. I'm like... And you kept 86% of that. That math should be turned around. And so I just said, if I don't take a chance on myself now, I never will because I'm going to get too comfortable here winning these two free trips and (laughs) cashing these checks. So I just, I need to take a shot. And I wasn't going to. And then I got downsized from my job. I got offered another one the very, the next Monday. And I told the guy that offered me the job, I said, if I take this job now, I'll work here for the next 20 years. And I'll never take a chance on myself. And I don't want to work for you. I want to be you. Like, I want to have my own business. I want to (laughs) provide opportunities for people. But I also gave the caveat. I said, if I fall on my face, Jim, I'll come back here next year, hat in hand. I'll take any job you have. I'll be the delivery driver, the janitor. I don't care. But I have to bet on myself just this once. And I started my gym with $15,000 and a million dollars worth of hustle. I didn't realize that I needed like 10 times that money to make it. Um, but somehow we just had our four-year anniversary yesterday. So, you know, I think we're doing okay. And, yeah, no, it's not a gym. Like, I wanted to build a brand, a culture, more than I wanted to build a gym. The gym is just my avenue to touch people. It's a place. You're yeah. talking about an idea. Yes. What is that idea? The idea that anything worth having in this life is worth fighting for. Mm. So that's our tagline. Fighting solves everything. That's so right. we tell people, like, you have to fight. <laughs> you, you fight or die. You know what I mean? So Yeah. You're not just talking about physical fighting because you are boxing, but you're also talking about the, the fight in your mind, right? Yeah, and I'm not talking about physically fighting at all. Like, if okay, they have yeah. to, that's great. But they punch bags. They swing kettlebells. I'm talking about taking charge of your life. Mm. I'm talking about not backing down from any challenge in your life. I'm talking about, I mean, this is just a simple example. We have, we had couples break up. I'm not saying this is good, but one of the people eventually came to realize like, Oh, I deserve much better than this, but I was never strong enough to say it before. We've had people apply to law school that said, before I came to this place, I didn't have the courage to do it because I didn't think I'd get in. Mm. You know, we've had people move across the country to follow a love and say, I would have never been able to do this if I didn't come to this place. So I'm not I'm I'm talking about finding the fighter inside of you to go after what you want, because you said it earlier. I personally believe fear is the thing that keeps people from going after what they want. Yeah. 
they don't want people to laugh at them if they fail or i don't i don't care you can laugh at me because at least i tried you know <laughs> yeah so yeah. wow and and the gym is called beautifully savage yeah yeah <laughs> yeah what what does that name mean to you um i have this theory it's three-pronged number one boxing is beautiful if you ever watch two skilled fighters fight, like it's poetic to watch. It's also incredibly savage to ball up your fist and punch another human until they're unconscious. <laughs> I mean, in reality, yeah. that's what boxers do. Yep. Um, life is beautiful, right? Like mm -hmm. falling in love, the birth of your child, like a sunset. It can also be incredibly savage. I mean, I in one year I had two friends who found out like their significance had stage four cancer. These people mm -hmm. in their 30s and... They were left as single parents in a matter of months. Like life can be incredibly savage at the same time. But human beings are beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. You can take four little kids, different races, put them on the floor, and they'll just start playing. And they'll hug each other, kiss each other, they'll laugh. But like human beings can also be incredibly savage, as we're seeing now out there in the world. I personally believe we can't be whole human unless we're willing to at least acknowledge that we have that darkness. It doesn't mean that we have to give into it. Right. But we at least have to know that it's there. I'm challenged by that positivity paralysis that like I always have to be upbeat and positive and like sometimes it's okay to be like, you know what, today's a crap day. I just need to be by myself. I'm going to get through it, but today I'm not here for it, so just let me be, you know? Nice. And also, sometimes that darkness has to come out if you have to fight for something, you know? We've helped people go through nasty divorces. We've helped people battle obesity. Like sometimes you have to tap into that darkness and be like, okay, I have to fight. Because this person's trying to take my children away from me. They're trying to, like, this is a fight at this point. Yeah. So I think that if we give people the chance to fight or die, they're going to choose to fight every time. Hmm. But unless you think about fighting, do you watch boxing or UFC or any of that? A little bit. Okay. So think about training six months solely with the purpose of physically harming another person <laughs> who has also trained six months to physically harm you. Yep. Light can't exist in that space for 36 minutes. You have to be able to tap into that darkness because it takes something different to be able to do physical damage to someone. Right. Think about like punching your friend in the arm, just joking around. Like you always pull that punch. You don't ever just like full force, like, ah, give it to him. You're just like, ah, hey, buddy, because you don't want to hurt him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Beautifully Savage, like to me, it's just, hmm. I also wanted to come up with the name that people got emotional about. Old Town Boxing isn't sexy. No. Fort Collins Boxing Club isn't sexy. Right. Beautifully Savage is a name that's not only sexy, but it carries outside of the four walls of that gym. And I never wanted it to feel like, oh, this is some little place in Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah. No one's going to, no one's just going to, once you hear that name, like you're going to react one way or another. Same thing with this River of Suck podcast. Yep. I have a couple people, why do you have to call it that? like got your attention didn't it amen <laughs> <laughs> and honestly like i always just thought bigger than four collins and in my mind i was like like i'm in the fitness industry and i talked to a lot of other fitness professionals and owners and right. i'm like that's cool that you named your gym after yourself like steve's gym <laughs> but nobody that doesn't go to steve's gym is gonna buy a steve's gym t-shirt right right yeah, yeah yeah i mean i launched an apparel site just beautifully savage during covid because it's like mm -hmm. what are we gonna do how can we be agile launched an apparel site we did almost $4,000 in apparel sales in two weeks because that name wow. carries. 
a mom in Ohio was like, oh, me and my girlfriends, we love this name because we're beautifully savage. I'm like, you are. <laughs> Buy some more shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, I'm, always, I'm just like a, I dream bigger than I live, man. And I'm always playing chess and I never wanted to just open Joe's boxing gym. Yeah. So. I love the idea that you're you're talking about teaching people fighting. You're t- you're talking about boxing, punching stuff, using kind of physical violence in a is a way a healthy way to get out these dark side emotions. But you're also talking about there's a deeper meaning behind it. How do you how do you show someone something physical but teach something emotional at the same time? I just use parallels between boxing and life, right? Right. Um, you, you said you sort of watch boxing. Who would you say, off the top of your head, don't think is the greatest boxer of all time? <laughs> oh, man. There's no right answer. Floyd Mayweather is the first name that pops into my head, but that's probably just because he's so famous. No, that's a great answer. He's undefeated. <laughs> like That's a great answer, right? But you can go online and find video of Zab Judah knocking Floyd Mayweather on his right. butt. You yeah. know what I mean? So even the greatest fighter ever got knocked down, mm-hmm. but he got back up and won. See yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> Most people universally say Muhammad Ali, mm. which you can make a point for. Muhammad Ali does not own a single boxing record. And at the end of his career, all he was doing was getting beat up. He was old and people were taking advantage of him. <laughs> he got knocked on the canvas over and over and over, but he always got up and fought. But he also fought for things that were bigger than himself. And he gave up three years of his life, the mm. best three years of his life for that. That's why he's celebrated. So just like in boxing, every single one of us is going to get knocked on our butt. Like right now, a lot of us did. Well, 30, 40 million people lost their jobs, businesses closed. Like we all got punched square in the face, right? Mm-hmm. Who's going to get up and fight and who's going to cut and run? I believe that when you get punched in the face, you learn something about yourself. You know, am I the kind of person that cowers in fear? Or do I get back up and say, let's try that again? That's right. You know? So I'd use those parallels between boxing and life to help people. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as, hey, you have three rounds of work left. I know you're tired. This is when you actually learn about yourself because when you're tired and you still can show up and do the work, that's when you realize what your character is. Anybody can show up when they're excited and work hard the first five minutes. That last five, when you actually want to quit and you're on the verge of barfing and you still grit your teeth and push through it, like that's when you're actually learning about yourself. So, it's just my space to to breathe life into people, talking to a microphone and just say the things that I would say if I was on a stage speaking and really try to have an impact on people. So when they leave our doors, because the workout's 1% of their day, it's those other 23 hours and 15 minutes that really matter, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, the, the boxing life parallels. All these ideas with River Suck started from coming from a music perspective, but I realized I wasn't just talking about music, I was talking about life. And then it was like, oh, we're going to make this a podcast. Oh, we could learn from scientists. That was my first big political statement. I was like, we're going to believe scientists. We're going to listen to them. Because like, they don't take stuff personally. When, when their experiment fails, they just, oh, we need a better experiment. So I'm excited. I'm really excited now to be talking about boxing and sports and being active because it is really the same stuff. We're all human. We're facing fears. We're going through hard, hard things. You have to suck at something before you can be good at it. We want to become better people. So it sounds like your gym really helps people on a like holistic level, whole person. Yeah, whole human. We say that all the time, right? Ooh. And I'll tell people when they come and they're new, I'm like, if you're looking for a gym, this is not the place. You'll, you'll quit. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> it's hard. It'll be the hardest workout you ever do in your life. Oh, man. You'll quit. You'll absolutely quit. But the way that we really help people is by proving to them that they're stronger than they think they are. Yes. See what I'm saying? So how do you do that? We used to have a client named Renee, and we do box jumps. And the smallest one that we have is 12 inches. So think about a ruler. Mm-hmm. And she refused to try it. She would do step-ups every time. She would not try to jump on this box. So one day I stopped the music. I said, I need you to try because you keep quitting before you've even tried. Just try it. Mm-hmm. Everyone in class is looking now. 20 people are looking at her. Tears coming down her face. She's embarrassed. She tries and she nails it. <laughs> and everyone in the room starts screaming, yelling, and cheering and clapping. She never didn't try again. And that was my point I was trying to make to her. It was like, you can't quit before you actually tried. Hmm. If you try to jump on that and fall on your face, I'll never ask you to do it again. I will. But, <laughs> like, she thought she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. My job as the instructor is to prove to her that she's more than she thinks she is. And we tell them, you don't have to be perfect when you show up here. Just commit to getting 2% better every day. Those incremental gains add up. Small hinges swing big doors. So don't come in here and think you need to lose 50 pounds in one workout. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up and doing the work. And one day you're going to look in the mirror. You might see physical changes, but you won't even recognize the human that's standing in the mirror anymore. Wow. Maybe we can get a little bit current moment for a second. Do you think America is going through a river of suck of dealing with systemic racism? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. Um, I'd say we're we're in it, and you know, I agree with the statement that like none of it's new. the The phone cameras are new, right? Right. Yeah. So we get to see it now instead of like hear about it six months after it happened like oh this guy in la got beat up by these cops it's crazy yeah right um it's always been there and i just believe that it's always gonna be there because for every 10 people that want racism to go away i can promise you there's 10 people that don't and we're all raising children and they're gonna have children and they're gonna kids do what they see and so i'm not concerned though like the challenge that i have is we understand that racism is a thing, but everyone wants to know, like, how are we going to change it? How are we going to eradicate it? We're mm-hmm. not. But what if we can focus on, like, if someone could see us, like, we're three very different dudes, like, and we're just vibing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was at a Kansas City Chiefs game. I talked to this dude who was from Nebraska, and he told me straight up, um, Donald Trump, 2020, so on and so forth, blah, 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 blah. And we talked for, like, an hour, and we just had the best conversation about what he believes, what I believe, mm. and why. And at the end of it, he was like, you know, I wish people could do more of this, like just talk. Yeah. The challenge that I think that we have, and I saw this a lot with the COVID stuff is, matter of fact, a guy said it to me. I'll use his quote. He said, there's no point in me talking to you because you're not going to change your mind. I said, why would the point of you talking to me be to change my mind? Why Mm. wouldn't it be to understand why I believe what I believe? So we have a lot of people trying to change people's minds that don't want their mind changed Hmm. or trying to convince people that don't think that there's a problem so why not just focus on us being the best humans that we can be 
evoke change in our little corner of the world by doing what we can do. And maybe one day the racists will be in the minority and they'll have to go hide off in the corners and, and do those things. But, you know, it's never going to go away. And that's OK, because racism isn't going to stop me from doing anything. Yeah. And I don't even care if someone's racist. Just don't get in my way. <laughs> Seriously, you don't have to see me as an equal. Just don't get in my way. Mm. You know, and also how are we showing up in the world? I can promise you, you could be the most racist human being on the planet. You'll never see me as inferior to you. If I walk into a room, you're never going to be like, yeah, that dude's less than me. <laughs> Seriously, it's not going to happen. So how are we moving through the world? Are we using it as a thing to be like, I can't do this because of racism? Or are we saying racism is an actual real thing? It's not going to stop me. Hmm. Being homeless wasn't going to stop me. Being in prison wasn't going to stop me. Being born 30 cents away from a quarter wasn't going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. So why can't we start spreading that message to more people? Yeah. And then really getting people to see how incredible they are and getting people to fight for what they want. Yeah. And at that point, like, you be as racist as you want, but you're not going to stop people. I love that. You know, at this time where people seem so incredibly divided in this country, I think what you're talking about is, uh, I heard you say it in that Better Human Project, yeah. yeah. You mentioned disagreeing without being disagreeable, Yeah, which I love. I mean, you could look anybody in the eye, no matter what they think of you, and be okay. Tell me more how there's value in these conversations from understanding each other better. Because a lot of people just really do want to, be right. Amen. I was just going to say the same thing. Too many people want to be right and not enough people want to understand. Yeah. Right. Um, I was in a relationship up until last June, six and a half years. And my then fiance's grandfather didn't speak to her the whole time. Hmm. You know, he's in his seventies and he was like, you know, she's dating black guy. I don't want anything to do with that. And it, it hurt her. I was like, you know, when your grandfather was a kid, you could hang black people from a tree. And take a picture and like have a picnic and it was cool. Like, that's a thing. Yeah. So his view of the world is different than ours. As long as he doesn't get in my way, I don't care. Right? So if you're from a place where you've never been exposed to people that are different than you and all you know is that little isolated world, how can I tell you that the way you see the world is wrong, even if I don't agree with it? I can't tell you that. That's not because to you it's right. Mm. All I can do is try to understand and then you don't mess with me. I'm not going to mess with you. Right. But on that podcast, I also talked about my friend Bethany. When I met Bethany a year ago, Bethany told me point blank. She's like, I'm a proud white supremacist. Her son's name is Arian. Like that's <laughs> the name of her child. But that's, that's crazy. Through conversation and me, like when she told me that I very well could have admonished her and been like, well, that's ridiculous that's sad it's embarrassing instead i was like oh tell me more about that hmm. through that conversation we became friends through that conversation and us becoming friends she started defending her friendship with me to people back home in kentucky huh. she said you're my first black friend she said you changed how i saw black people completely i never thought i would even talk to a black person let alone be friends with them to two months ago or last month Bethany is on her Instagram showing support for George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, wow. Breonna Taylor. This is a woman who a year ago literally said, I am a white supremacist. Me and my husband do not believe in mixing races. We don't even want to get in the same swimming pool with people of another race. 
And there she is on Instagram asking for justice for Ahmaud Arbery, justice for George Floyd. Yeah. Because of us taking time to open our hearts to each other and just understand each other. I never expected Bethany to change her tune. I didn't. But she did because she got to see a person and not a black person. Because I can tell you, had I started in on her, like, that's the dumbest thing, blah, blah, blah. You know what? She would have walked back in that gas station and said, see, I knew it. I knew it. Man, that's amazing. That's the kind of, like, small change that each of us could make that would really make a difference over the long term. Everyone's yelling at each other right now. And you're talking about listening, having a conversation with people you disagree with. I love it. I think this is the path. Yeah, it could be, right? Like... What if we just love big? And the the thing is like, it's easy to love the people that think like us. Yeah. Right? It's easy to love the people that agree with us. They make us feel more right. Yeah. It's a lot harder to <laughs> love the person that is saying things that honestly you want to strangle them. You know? That is hard. I had a conversation yesterday with a guy that was like, you know, black people are the only people that step on each other and use each other to get ahead. I was like... Oh, you've never heard of Jeff Bezos? <laughs> yeah. I was like, sorry, Amazon people. <laughs> but no, I'm like, are you, you're joking, right? He's like, absolutely not. I was like, oh, interesting. Tell me more about that, though. Tell me why you think that. And he went on to explain, and I was like, well, you're wrong, but you're welcome to think what you think. Like, I'm not going to try to convince you, but you're wrong. Yeah. Because, and I didn't say what you're saying is wrong. I said, people of all races and creeds and genders and whatever else have used other people to their advantage that's a thing so that sweeping generalization you made is actually not true but you're welcome to feel how you feel <laughs> you know like because i love yeah. i'll love people and i'll agree with them but i'm also like i'm pretty like assertive like you're not gonna disrespect me at the same time because yeah. like i said there's that that dark side right like so good fences make good neighbors so if we can have respectful conversation, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Rock on. Yeah. <laughs> so we're recording here with Pat Seitz, band leader for my band, Whitewater Ramble. He's been sitting here listening. I, I'm curious to put him on the spot and see if, if he has any questions for Joe. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time, interesting place. This isn't a big, diverse city, a diverse yeah. state, right? And, you know, like, do you, do you sometimes feel exhausted or like, you know, you're, you're like you're the champion of the cause just because of the lack of diversity here in Colorado in general, and certainly Fort Collins, right? So that, I mean, you always keep up such a great, like, you know, voice. Do you find yourself like sometimes fatigued from that? Like carrying the torch, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. I've been carrying that torch my whole life. You know, I, I've known since I was a teenager that there were times that I was the first black person that this person was meeting and maybe the only one they'd meet for a long time. So that comes with itself a, a different level of responsibility of, you know, how you present yourself. And, you know, I, when I was younger, people used to like joke on me, like, why are you always so worried about like what, how you're dressed and 
you know, your appearance and your image. And I think now they're starting to understand, right? Like my, one of my older black mentors, he used to say, you know, no matter what happens at your job, like you have to just like smile and take it because you can't be the angry black guy in the office, like, because you'll be a threat, Mm. you know? And I've known this my whole life. I mean, when I walk into a grocery store, if I have on a beanie, cause it's cold outside, I take it off immediately. If I have on a hood because it's raining or my ears are cold, I take it off immediately. So I've been one of the unofficial spokespeople for black people my whole life because I grew up in this little place. Um, But I've never taken that lightly. And so I do feel that the people that have come into contact with me at least got to walk away thinking, okay, black people are pretty rad, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, that's been a lifelong thing. Yeah. It's it definitely has gotten exhausting in the last couple of weeks though because right. the asks have changed and you know, people that I don't even really know or people that I've met like once ever are saying things to me like, you know, let's let's just talk. I'm going to call you. I just want to know how you're feeling and I'm like, you know, what? Well, I'm good. apparently i'm doing better than you like uh, are you okay you know but like for real it's so that part has gotten a little bit like overwhelming just because i believe that people's intentions are good but the way that they're going about things is not like amazing so yeah i've been the last few weeks i've definitely felt exhausted and that ahmaud arbery thing hit me probably harder than any of it um because those were just random dudes in a neighborhood that thought they were making the world safer by killing a young black kid that was jogging. I, I know I've, I followed that, that story a lot and I, I watched that video. I was trying to figure out, you know, why the third guy was following him. Like, how did he, why does he have his camera? Like this, it, none of it set right. None of it felt right. And that was like, I, I thought about that. I was like, I live in a nice, you know, neighborhood and, you know, there's not a lot of diversity here, but I was like, can I, I can't imagine like a, a black kid jogging down the street and somehow being like, I need to get in my truck. And like, I, I just, I can't even wrap my head around that. And that was, that was kind of like the first domino. And I mean, I don't know. I think the education is really good for a lot of people that don't really keep up on any sort of like, you know, the relationships in our communities and things like that. And so it's like, well, what's the the right way, the appropriate way? How can we talk about this and not offend, but then also not get offended as well? You know? So, I mean, I think it's pretty important. And I mean, I, I definitely look to you for wisdom. And like I said, I follow you on social media and, and I, I just love what you say in the voice and how you put it forth. And it's, uh, it's just always just so calm and succinct and just meaningful. You know, Thanks. so I pre- I appreciate that, man. So thank you. That's also just to be really transparent with you guys. Like that's that's a part of my mask, right? I've got pretty big like corporate relationships, um, apparel wise, and sh- you know shoe deals and things like that. And so I know that I don't get to be the angry black guy on my social media, even though sometimes I'm angry. But I also I know that my voice will carry further if I state things in a way that people actually want to hear them. If I just get on and start screaming and yelling, which is what I feel sometimes, um, I know that that message isn't going to be heard. Hmm. And I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I get on, I type something up just to get the feel myself do it and see it. And then I just delete it. 
Oh, yeah. Or I'll record a video and then I'll delete it. You know, I'll say all the things I really want to say and then I'll delete it. So, But can you imagine how you'd feel if you didn't get it out? You know, that's what I'm saying. You, I you do. Ha- got to have <laughs> I do know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Yeah. laughs> having, having an outlet for this stuff is the most important thing, I think, ever. So, yeah. How do we find you online? How do we follow you? How can we support you? Um, what yeah. you got coming up? Yeah. So my website is mrjoebuckner.com. My Instagram is mrjoebuckner. Uh, I've recently started to do more of like my my talking and things on TikTok. Um, oh, cool. have really been using that platform to just share a little more of my actual personality. And um but try and also use that medium to, sh- to spread some positivity. Mm-hmm. And then um, in ter- terms of things that I'm looking for support for, next month I'm actually launching a 12-week program called Fighting Solves Everything. And I took the 10 traits of a championship fighter and how people can apply them to their life. So it's 12 weeks to a championship life, and it's going to be online, weekly Zoom calls, accountability. And uh, I'm really, really pumped about that. I've been working on that for like a year or so. I'm excited to finally be able to launch that and just help as many people as possible with that program. Cool. Uh, When is that launching? Tentatively July 14th, but it might get pushed back to the 1st of August. Okay. That's cool. And if you're listening in the future, I mean, if it works out, you'll do it again. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there could be people listening in the future. Yeah. And we're sitting here in the past right yeah. now. Yeah. They can just go to mrjoebuckner.com and hit, I'm interested. Nice. <laughs> You've been working on that a year. This is the moment for like big Zoom experiences. Yeah. I went to a two week one and it inspired me to make my own two week one. And like all these people showed up and they're like, when are you going to do this again? I'm like, you want me to do it again? It's like, it's like the bit, the cool. And I made it like way too cheap just as a test. Just like, can I do this next time? It's not going to be so cheap, Good, but (laughs) uh, it seems like you saw this moment coming though. I mean, sure. in, Um, In a way. Sure. I, I didn't, I didn't see any of this coming. I don't know who did. Um, <laughs> anyone that says they did the liar. Um, but I'm, I'm talking about like lay people. Like I have a friend who owns a business and he's like, Oh yeah, I saw this coming. I'm like, no, you didn't stop it. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> right? Like, why yeah. did you call me? You know, I found out on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but no, but the, the program really for me was just, it's just an extension of what I already do. Mm-hmm. and teaching people how to fight and hearing the stories of the people that we've already helped and knowing that I can help more people just by getting in front of my computer and sharing with them. Yeah. So you have, you have a bigger message than, than what can be contained in a physical space in Fort Collins. So I love amen. that it, there's a way for it to yeah. get out there. Yeah, amen. It's really meaningful. Yeah. I remember that pride is an acronym on your website, but I can't remember what it stands for or why I wrote it down. Yeah, so, um, you know, we came up with a lion logo 
back in 2017 um and we call our members the pride ah yes and it's like you know lions are the only big cats that move in packs mm. and so you know we tell them like we hunt together we eat together like we protect each other like a pride um so to honor that i created a t-shirt that has the acronym on it and it stands for perseverance respect integrity diversity and excellence those things embody every person that goes into our space mm -hmm. and we never wanted to have the biggest gym in town but i'll take our hundred and whatever members to any place in this town and we'll rip through that sucker <laughs> you know because they're lions so um i wanted to have something that not only like they could identify with but anyone else who identifies with that message could support as well so nice what time do you gotta go you got um in about 15 seconds but go ahead what do you got next <laughs> well, if you got 15 seconds then i all i all i want to know is do you have any questions for me sure what what made you come up with the name river of suck i think that's intriguing and i know you touched on it a little bit but like how does that apply to your life in particular because i feel like we sure. usually attach to things that we can relate to yeah so i went to berkeley college of music and one of my mentors his name is john mccann he's unfortunately no longer with us but in our private lessons um he would talk about the river of suck in terms of your practicing so when you're trying to learn an instrument and you want to be awesome and you want to be like really great and sound the way that get the sound in your head out of your instrument you really have to do it badly first it's like what you're talking about jumping onto that step you know you got to make that you can't dip your toe into the river of suck you got to dive in you got to swim and then you're going to get hit by water and have trouble breathing and hit a rock and get knocked down but ultimately those small imperceptible steps are really what brings those big goals to fruition later in the future so i thought about it you know just trying to be a better musician and uh the the more i thought about it the deeper it got and uh i just i just love the analogy so and it also keeps the memory of john mcgann alive which for me it really really feels good that's dope thanks for sharing <laughs> No one said swimming the river of suck would be easy or that you had to do it alone. So I want to thank you for tuning in and giving it a chance. Join the River of Suck swim team for just $1 a month for access to bonus content and so much more at riverofsuckswimteam.com. My name is Andy Reiner. Joe Buckner. Till next time, keep, keep swimming. swimming.